I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening. By pressing play, you've unlocked a door with the key of imagination. Beyond is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. Welcome to Agoraphobia. Hello, my pretties, and welcome to the Agora Podcast Network's spooktacular month of ghoulishly engaging content, celebrating the spirit of the Halloween season. So turn on all the lights, check all the closets and cupboards, look under all the beds, and continue if you dare. Today we present to you two titillating tales. Our first storyteller is professional frightener Travis Dow, with ghost stories from the golden city of Prague. Prague is a city of mystery. Going back to pagan roots and into pre-written history, it keeps its secrets. Even the name Praha, what the Czechs call their capital, has different theories of origin. Underneath Prague is a labyrinth of streets and rooms that used to be on the surface, then turned into torture chambers, and even unmarked graves. But we already talked about all that. Our story starts with the plague but in a good way. You see, in city squares throughout Europe, you'll come across Maria pillars, a statue of the Virgin Mary on top of a tall column, built usually in times of the plague as a prayer for her to take it away, except the one before the entrance of the Prague Castle, which was built for sparing Bohemia when the rest of Europe lost a third of its population. The only Maria pillar I know of built as a prayer of thanks. And yet, I get chills when walking by this one, even on a hot summer's day, as if it were the dead of winter. This is not a happy tale. True to Czech fashion, happy endings are for fairy tales, not real life. And even then. If you visit the castle today, before you get into its entrance with the titans of Creek mythology frozen in their acts of violence, right in front of the Schwarzenberg Palace, 
a Renaissance structure you, you can't really miss. That's where the Maria Pillar is I'm talking about. Let's go back in time a little bit. When an administrator, a high imperial official, lived in the Schwarzenberg Palace with his daughter Alžbeta, Czech version of Elizabeth, and across the street on Ostrohova, in a poor attic flat, lived a poor boy with his mother. Though they lived across the street, they were worlds apart. He was poor, and it took all his efforts to simply earn enough money for him and his mother to survive. And yet, the poor son and wealthy daughter fell in love. If you'd seen them strolling through the narrow alleys of Prague, you'd have thought it fate that they should be together. That is, until the father found out. He forbade the relationship. Spend a dowry on some riffraff who's going to squander his wealth? You must be kidding. Never! He flew into a rage and had her chaperoned wherever she went. And so, the young man, late at night, would put a candle in his windowsill. And every night, Aljbeta would eagerly await the signal. When she saw the light, she'd sneak outside, meet between the two houses at the Maria Pillar, and they'd stroll through the magical city. Until her father caught wind of this. At first, he arranged suitor after suitor to get her mind off of the poor man. But Aljbeta sabotaged any effort at marriage, and even managed to still sneak out and see him. When someone told the father he'd seen them walking hand in hand in the wee hours of the night, Along the Voltava River, the father plotted. He had arranged for the young man to be conscripted and sent off to war, to the front lines. He never returned. And yet, Alžbeta waited by her window. The official never did tell her what he had done, but he watched her grow until he himself passed away. Alžbeta had to move further away from the castle since she could not afford that place on her own, and the next administrator took over the living quarters. But every night, Alžbeta walked back, returned to the Maria Pillar, and waited, staring up at the attic window across the street from where she once lived. Her hair had now long turned silver, her skin creased and wrinkled. One morning, a guard on patrol just before dawn, saw an old woman sitting against the pillar, frozen in place, like a marble statue, her tears, like glass on her face. And if you walk by that spot today, well, sorrow that strong doesn't just disappear, and her presence can still be felt. Now, of course, Prague has many tales of alchemy, of the supernatural, magic and the occult, some combine all those elements. There is a house on Charles Square today where none other than the famous Edward Kelly lived. Edward Kelly was John Dee's sidekick, advisor to Queen Elizabeth I, but our tale takes place after that. You see, an alchemist lived there and had his lab. In alchemy, people attempted it different ways. The goal is always the philosopher's stone and richness. Some had a scientific mind, 
and refused to believe the superstitions of the day. Others weren't afraid of cutting corners. After one such alchemist failed to pay rent a few times, the landlord had the door broken into, looking for the alchemist and demanding his rent. But instead, what they found was a hole in the ceiling where they assumed the devil himself had taken the alchemist away for summoning him to create gold. And as so, the house counted as evil and haunted, and no one entered it since that time. Until a student, Mladota, had a little bit too much to drink. He had spent all his money with his friends, got kicked out of his house for being late with the rent, and a little tipsy, and very late at night, he stumbled past Charles Square. And he thought to himself, why would I go try to find a bridge or find a safe place to sleep when there's a palace right here that I could have all to myself? And so he climbed around back, broke into a window, and took a look around. At nighttime, everything cast long shadows. It was hard to see. And even in his stupor, he wasn't without fear. Everywhere were old parchment, scrolls, and books. Everything covered with the decay of age and dust. He found the bed and passed out. The next morning, he took a better look around, looked at all the alchemical equipment in the lab, all the bottles, alembics, cucurbits, and all those other things we talk about on the History of Alchemy podcast. And in a stone bowl, he found a polished silver taller. He grabbed the coin, ran back to his friends, bought round after round, on me, guys. And finally, when the booze money ran out, he stumbled back to Charles Square, back in through the window, and between the sheets was fast asleep. The next morning, there was another silver taller in the bowl. And he took it and again bought beers for his friends. But eventually he thought, with all these books and scrolls, there must be a way to increase that. What if it was two taller's? What if it was a gold coin? And so he started studying until he could make heads and tails out of the alchemical symbols and recipes. And he started cooking up a nasty brew. His friends didn't see him the next day. Mladota was busy in his laboratory, trying to turn one silver taller into more, when finally, when finally his friends decided to come and look for him. It wasn't too hard. He had told his friends in his drunken stupor what he was up to. So eventually they decided to come and look for him at the Faust house. And when they found the broken window and came inside, Lodota was nowhere to be found. But there was a second hole in the ceiling. The devil claims his victims. It turns out nothing's free. And again, the house stood abandoned. With the local... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...terrified of going inside. If you want to hear more about mysterious Prague, come join us on the Bohemian Podcast. Likewise, if you'd like to hear about the secrets of alchemy, we talk about that too on the History of Alchemy podcast. Besides that, of a myriad of shows, the less scary History of Germany, Africa, a history, and the secret cabinet. All of those you can find on podcastnick.com. That's podcastnik.com. But remember... Not all knowledge is safe. And now, Heather Tesco from the Renaissance English History Podcast has a ghastly tale of terror in the Tower of London. Enjoy. Once upon a time... A girl was visiting the Tower of London. She entered through the main entrance and then got lost in the maze of buildings and alleyways. By the 16th century, the time we cover in the Renaissance English History Podcast, the tower would have been a large complex with houses, barracks, a chapel, as well as the torture chambers and execution block. It was its own village. It served as the Royal Mint, the home of the crown jewels, a treasury, a public records office, an armory. And yes, people were executed here. Actually, not that many, to be fair. Most people who were executed suffered their fate on the Tower Hill, out in the public where they could be seen by folks out for a fun family day of beheadings and burnings. The executions inside the tower were reserved for nobility, for those who needed extra privacy, royalty, these nobles and royals were not used to not getting their own way, and being executed was the ultimate not-getting-your-own-way event. These folks were not simply resigned to their fate. They were upset, and they've stuck around to let us know. So let's go back to our girl in the tower. She's wandering around and she gets lost. It's a cold, blustery day, cloudy, and it seems as if the sun never rose before it's dark again. She hears the famous crows squawking, and she starts to feel a little nervous, as if she's being watched. It starts to rain, and she notices that she's all alone, just under the bloody tower. She sees a well-lit doorway, ah, a bathroom. She walks in and stands at the sink, holding on to the side as her hands shake. Then she looks in the mirror. 
In the reflection, she sees two boys. There are two boys in here with her, wearing nightgowns. For a moment, she freezes, wondering whether she went into the men's room. But they don't seem surprised or alarmed to see her, nor do they look cold in their light clothing. They just look at her, seemingly frightened. Hello? Don't hurt us. Please don't hurt us. Did our uncle send you? The princess in the tower? Please, please don't hurt us. We were told someone was going to try to rescue us, that there would be an attempt to help us before it's too late. Is it you? Can you help us? The girl reaches out instinctively to the younger boy. She doesn't know who these boys are for sure, but she's going to try to help them if she can. They're so frail, thin, and they look petrified as she reaches out for them. They clasp onto her, and she opens the door to go back outside. She's running down a narrow alleyway towards the chapel, and they are following right with her, almost flying alongside of her. If only she could find a guard, someone to turn these boys over to and get out of here herself. But the place is deserted in the dark twilight. She hears the boys panting, and then suddenly she slips on the wet stones, and they all fall. She feels their small bodies falling and landing on top of her, and then they're gone simply gone. But she can't even sit up to look for them. There's a huge weight pressing her down. She's being smothered. It's, it feels like a giant suit of armor pressing into her, pressing her into the ground, and there's no way she can get up. Damn this sore leg, she hears. Will, fool, amuse me while these idiots try to get this armor on me. You would think a king could get a suit of armor that would fit him. And with that, she's pressed even further. Her head feels like it's about to explode and she's just sinking into the mud. Just when she can take no more, when she's on her last breath, the weight is gone and she's free to sit up. She runs as quickly as she can towards the front gate, but she's met by a teenage boy running up to her in tears. It's a different boy than she saw before. This one is dressed like a noble. He runs up to her and grabs her hands, looking searchingly in her eyes. They're about to execute me for my father's rebellion and for marrying Jane Grey. Please, please help me. I don't want to lose my head. I didn't know. Please help me. She tries to hold on to him, but just then he is pulled away from her and she hears him screaming in the distance. Then another young teenage girl is walking towards her her hands folded together in prayer. The teenage girl walks quietly, looking resigned. Father and mother made their choice. They did this to their daughter, but I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. She is muttering, repeating the words over and over again. Then, just as suddenly, she disappears, and there's a loud scream in the distance, followed by a man yelling, such is the end to all traitors to the crown. Long live Queen Mary. The girl runs toward the exit. She needs to get out of here. She can see the main gate and the grass beyond. It's so dark and rainy and wet, and a chill runs through her entire body. She doesn't want to run and slip again, but it's so hard to keep herself just moving calmly and steadily. She passes under an archway... And on the other side, she's met by a headless woman coming straight at her, leading a procession 
of what appear like ladies in waiting. All of those women have their heads. But the woman in front, dressed as a queen, she moves silently in the girl's direction with the parade of ladies following behind. The girl is unable to move, frozen to the spot. Her fight-or-flight instincts have totally fallen apart, and all she can do is just stay frozen and hope the headless woman can't see her. She doesn't have eyes, after all. But no, the figure turns straight towards her. The ladies all headed in her direction. The girl is shaking now, still unable to move, as the woman walks right up to her and grabs both of her hands. At least I had a little neck, the body says to her. It happened quickly enough. The girl screams and runs and runs while the headless body just doubles over in laughter. She runs until she can go no further because she runs right into a wooden door and she looks up. The huge wooden door is locked from the outside. It appears as if she was somehow missed when they locked up the tower for the evening which means she's going to need to spend all night here with the headless woman already heading back in her direction. Her only hope is to find an office of some sort where people can help her. But how can she get past that headless queen again? She sinks down into the wet pavement and she starts crying, sobbing, wondering how she's going to get through the night. Eventually, after what seems like hours... She feels a push on her shoulder. Ma'am, it's it's time to close. You need to get out before we lock up. You wouldn't want to spend a night here, I'll tell you. Our heroine walks out of the tower, wondering whether she dreamt the whole thing, but remembering that solid little hand of the prince holding on to her. To learn more about the people mentioned here, Anne Boleyn, Henry VIII, Guilford Dudley, Jane Grey, and the princes in the tower, Listen to the Renaissance English History Podcast, where these true stories are scarier than any ghost stories I could make up. Englandcast.com has links to subscribe and a full archive. Happy Halloween! A warm welcome back to those of you who made it back and a little bit of advice to take with you before you go. Not all knowledge is safe, and some things you can't unhear. The smartest of you will count your blessings and stay clear of dark corners and dangerous downloads. But those of you more daring who laugh in the face of fear will undoubtedly be back, like a moth drawn to the flame for the next installment of Agoraphobia. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.